views and opinions expressed on Analyze This are entirely those of the on-air participants and do not reflect those of the station's board, management, staff, or underwriters. And good Wednesday morning and welcome to a Thanksgiving Eve edition of Analyze This here on your NPR station in the U.S. Virgin Islands, WTJXFM. It's a beautiful day in paradise. It really is. The rain and the uh, heavy uh, overcast from yesterday has uh, cleared out for the most part. Still somewhat cloudy, but it's beautiful. Island Green, and hopefully we have a lovely Thanksgiving weekend. Uh, I got a great show today uh, to take us into the holiday um, weekend um, because there will be no show on Thursday or Friday. So when I break out of Dodge uh, a couple hours, I'll be back on Monday, uh, God willing. We got the Eastern Caribbean Center. They did a community survey. They're going to, they're going to be joining us. They're probably on the line right now. That's going to be from 8 to 8.40. Then at 8.40, we're going to get... Uh, by team of director Daryl Jashin and DPNR Commissioner uh, John Oriel uh, joining us to uh, give us details with respect to the emergency declaration uh, granted by uh, the president, President Biden. And of course, uh, we wrap up the, the week, uh, uh, the short week, with the boss, Tanya Marie Singh. She's going to be joining us uh, talking about new shows, upcoming events. Um, to include the the, uh, the serenade, which can be on the 23rd and the 24th uh, this year. I know yesterday I made a mistake, said so the 24th and 25th. But it's my understanding that it's going to be the 23rd and the 24th. Okay? So let's get right to it. Uh, I believe the folks from the Eastern Caribbean Center are on the line. Uh, Dr. Lawanda Cummings and Miss Bellu. I, I want to I want to butcher the first name. Uh, Ayishi. Hey, you did it right. <laughs> good morning. Good morning, Ayishi Bellu and uh, Dr. Lawanda Cummins. Good morning. Welcome to Analysis. How are you? We're doing well, thank you. We are super blessed and excited to be here to have a conversation today about this good work. So thank you for having us. Not a problem. So. Um, uh, tell us about yourself, number one, and tell us about the Eastern Caribbean Center. Okay. Uh, well, I'll tell you about me, and then we'll let we'll let our native talk over here. Um, I'm Dr. Lawanda Cummings, as you stated. I'm a trained community organizational psychologist, and a lot of my work has been really focused on how do we do stuff in the education and health spaces for minoritized populations. And I made a transition from uh, VIF Corps, where I was the STEM education STEM re- education research director, over to the ECC, uh, trying to fill these big old shoes that Dr. Frank Mills left. Uh, and um, I'm going to transition over and let Aishi talk. Go ahead. Hi. Good morning. Um, let's see. Where do I begin? Uh, I have. I'm an alumna of of the University of the Virgin Islands. I also got my master's degree in data analytics from Georgia Tech, 
And I came back to UVI to work in the Eastern Caribbean Center where we do data collection and data dissemination. And right now we're um, going into an interesting project that we've been doing for many, many years where we do data collection and we, um, we well, you know, um, because you are like the, the data guru, um, that data is so important for making decisions. So we're just trying to get the word out there that we have another exercise going on in the community. So um, that's what we're passionate about, trying to, to um, get the word out and collect that data so that we can have um, information to make sound decisions. That's why, that's, that's why I'm talking about, uh, without a doubt. Um, <clears throat> So you went to Georgia Tech, your yellow jacket? Yay. Yes, I am. <laughs> what was For my that, master's, yeah. What was that experience like in, in uh, Georgia Tech in Atlanta, right? Yes, in Atlanta. I actually didn't um, stay on campus or anything like that, but um, I'm proud to be called uh, part of that community. It was um, it, it's extremely hard to get into. The first time I applied, they denied me. But uh, I kept going at it, and, and I, I got in, and um, I, I love the experience. I love working with the professors there. So, yes, um, I would uh, admonish anyone to, to try and get into Georgia Tech, or if you're trying, just give me a call, and we'll see who we know so we can um, try to get you in there. And Atlanta is um, an educational mecca, right? A lot of universities. All kinds of universities. Um, I actually graduated from Georgia State University, but I have siblings that graduated from <laughs> from Clark Atlanta University and the Atlanta uni- uh, University system. Uh, so, you know, we've been inside the HBCU and PWA game up there in Georgia. And even the center, the Eastern Caribbean Center, we just recently came back from a training session at Georgia Tech uh, with the Smart Dart program. So we're we're still in partnership with them. We're partnering with Morehouse School of Medicine uh, as we are part of the Aim Ahead uh, Consortium so we can address some of the data issues even around health that's happening here in the U.S. Virgin Islands. So um, that's my that's my home. So I'm glad that we can still be friends with the people in my stumping ground. That's good. That's good. Now, I want to make a distinction right off the top. Uh, <laughs> down in these parts, we say data. <laughs> I just like to have fun with that. Some people say, you know, some people say data, but you know, we, we like to say data down here. You know what I'm saying? So, uh, no, okay, no, I will make sure I speak. No, nah, man, I'm, no, no, that's, not, that, that's not for you. That that's for Miss Bellu. Miss Bellu is, is is one of we. So I I want I want Miss Bellu to say data, and I, you can say data, and you know, so we can we can feed off each other. No, I'm just having some fun there. First of all, what is the Eastern Caribbean Center for those well, who don't for those who don't know? Well, the Eastern Caribbean Center is a really interesting place. Let me explain. Um, the ECC at the University of the Virgin Islands is a uh, acknowledged state data center for the U.S. Virgin Islands. So that means that the census, the census decennial uh, survey is uh, actually facilitated through the Eastern Caribbean Center. Um, I was just in D.C. DC recently. We are the only university that's doing it, and we are the only HBCU. So a really huge distinction uh, for the Eastern Caribbean Center and the work that was done by Dr. Frank Mills in getting us to that place. We also do a lot of work in population statistics and studies, facilitate quite a bit of work with uh, the 
special education offices for SOCI. We do work with BER. So we bring to bear uh, really a lot of expertise around research methodologies, scale design, psychometrics, data collection processes. We have uh, resources here like the Caddy Lab. Uh, that allows us to be able to engage around how to do the research and how to report these things. The other thing I would say is the ECC is rooted in um, a clear understanding that there are strengths strength and uh, capacities in this region. So it's different than if we got somebody off island to do the same work, right? Because there's a consciousness around what it means for us to do the work that's culturally relevant and specific, but also being in a position to give voice to the strength that lives here. You understand what I'm saying? Because sometimes people will come and collect data and they tell a story of deficit and they forget that about the resiliency that we've seen uh, as we are rebuilding this boat as we sail on it. So um, I think those are the things that kind of encapsulate the ECC. We also do program evaluation and a, and a lot of training so that we can train community members to be able to utilize data uh, but also our teachers, students, and uh, faculty at the university. That's what I'm talking about. You know, I, I think the public uh, needs to uh, know of and, and ultimately have an appreciation for what the Eastern uh, Caribbean Center, uh, ECC, uh, provides. Um, and um, Ms. Bello, um, demographics is, is basically what this is all about, isn't it? Knowing, knowing, oh, yeah. knowing, knowing who we are, what we're about, where, where, where we might be lacking, what are our strengths, and and how do we get to where we want to go? Correct, you said it all. I mean, how how can we plan for the future if we don't even know, you know, where we are right now? How can you know? So it's it's like it's, the numbers kind of show you the direction in which the the territory is going. Should we continue? Should do we need to shift? What are the shifts? So all of that is important, even for businesses. You know, the other day a bank called me and was talking about, you know, um, how are the economics, what are the what are the, the median incomes for these particular areas and, and different things like that. So the information that we collect, um, while it's confidential, uh, when we release it, it's in summary form so that, you know, people can make sound decisions uh, based on it. No, we're in a prolonged protracted um lengthy uh recovery has has the hmm. has the Somebody ECC got all the adjectives. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know when when big shots from the ECC uh come on the show I I, I just got to let them know that you know I can do I can do the corporate jargon with them and have some fun with I them as well. I should have told my mama to listen. Just, she uh, needs to know I'm a big shot too. You are. You are. You are. You are. Um has the administration uh, reached out to the ECC to uh, help uh, give them some some guidance, uh, information uh, based on data and the needs for the territory because you know this recovery uh, taps into so many different uh, areas of need. Well, I will say this: we were invited down to Governor Bryan's office, uh, myself and my assistant director, to uh, be in some of the conversations around the data and what we have in regards to the decennial. Because, you know, if you look at even those demo those demographics, we uh, the data really shows that we had this massive migration uh, since the last census of about 19%, 20% mm -hmm. of the population. 
And so we had some, some, some critical conversations about that because, you know, when we are in a position to apply for funding or to go to the federal government about infrastructure, like those numbers have a lot to do with what we can ask for um, and what kind of support we can expect. And so uh, we're in conversations with him about that, but also we're in conversations with a number of government offices around how do we build out re- the data infrastructure for the island as a whole so that we're in a position that the data uh, can communicate from one office to another. Because it's hard to tell um, the collective story of our strength and our recovery, you know, when we, we kind of have our stuff housed in different places and they don't communicate with each other. So we're in the midst of actually looking at some grant opportunities and things like that uh, that would be paired with local government so that we're in a position to uh, prepare the UVI, the U.S. Virgin Islands, to be able to incorporate that structure. Now, one of the things that we've talked about with respect to the, the data and and uh, repopulation um, from 106,000 down to 87,000 thereabouts is that the fact that the the um, the census, the most recent census here, um, coincided with the impact from uh, the pandemic, and uh, there were well, I suggested uh, in conversations that I've had with people about uh, the numbers, maybe we need to look at a mid mid decennial. Uh, census or something like that uh, because there's a belief that uh, we may have missed or there are a lot of uncaptured folks in the recent data of 87,000 or whatever that number was. So, so Neville, was you sitting in this room? No, I'm kidding. We had a meeting with um, our uh, representation with the census, uh, Dan, uh, who deals with the island areas and, 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 and actually pitched this very idea uh, it's not just us, right? There are lots of different communities where, you know, the numbers are interesting during the pandemic, but there were all of these additional confounds in the data collection process. That said, I will say this, the census has the most resources, the most experts, right, uh, to help us be in a position to collect data that we can apply uh, and they have the statisticians and individuals that are going to be looking at historical markers as well as ways in which we weigh the data. So I would say there, we can put more trust in what we got in 2010 um, than, than in some of the other stuff that may be just that people may just um, be pulling together. Right. 2020. 2020. I'm so sorry. In 2020. Look, was I still in school? Anyway. And so. I just want to say that, you know, the pandemic is something that we have to consider, but there's also just any type of survey that you're collecting, uh, you're going to have some human component uh, that will limit applicability of the data. But that's a lot of the stuff that Ms. Ballou and the center is doing is figuring out how do we look at the data and take all those things into consideration and create things that are going to be applicable uh, to the decision making that has to happen in these other offices. So, so I agree with you. You know, there may be something going on there, but that's one of the reasons why VIX is so important. We have to be in a position as a as a, as our own space to say, I'm going to get the data that I need so that I can make the decisions and about how we're going to build the best possible U.S. Virgin Islands. Does that make sense? Um, because yes. even getting the information every ten years, what has happened down here in the last ten years? Right? We've had hurricanes and. Um, economic issues that have with the closing of Hovenza 
we've had the pandemic. You know, we've had three disasters that have occurred in, in inside this particular time period. So it's important for us to kind of keep more updated data because we are having to stick and move and make uh, new decisions that would not actually benefit from the application of old data. Well, I wasn't knocking the Eastern Caribbean Center and, and the, the, the census team. Um, in terms, we know of, you love us. It's okay. You know, I'm a number. I'm a num- <laughs> I'm a numbers guy, so I gotta love you. You know what I'm saying? Uh, but the realities are, you know, what they were. You know, the pandemic had folks all over the place. Some people were not in contact like they normally were, and uh, and my, you know, my perspective isn't limited to the Virgin Islands. It's all over because the pandemic was was global. Now there is one website that I like to tap into. And it's called uh, www.worldometer.info. And it has uh, the current uh, population of the United States Virgin Islands estimated at 98,000 plus. Mm-hmm. So clearly they believe they, they have their metrics and their, you know, their, uh, you know, systems in, in place. to, And that's a significant difference between 86,000, uh, 12,000 more people. The census says we're at uh, eighty-seven thousand. Sorry, eleven thousand more. So, um, what's your what's your take on that? Yeah, yeah. You know, I have seen some of these estimates uh, for the the population here, and I, I'm figuring that they're using some um, administrative records and maybe also looking at projections. Mm-hmm. You know, looking at um, yeah. A lot of times they do when they do population projections, they look at you know the trend. Right, what has been trending, and they kind of, um, kind of extrapolate that way. So unless you know we're able to actually look through the black box and see you know how they they put together their population estimates, um, you know I can't really speak uh, on that specifically to mm-hmm. see you know which. But that that's what um, Dr. Cummins was saying. You know, the VI Community Survey is an update to the decennial census. Yes. So yes. some of those issues that we were dealing with in 2020, you know, are no longer um, at the forefront. Okay. So have people come back home? Yeah, you man. Know? Yeah, ex- um, exactly. People- no, I, I, I didn't mean to cut you off, but the, the, the reasons for um, the Delta uh, uh, are justified, you know, economics, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. natural disasters, pandemic, you know what I'm saying? A number of different things. So, so that's real. We're talking mm-hmm. with... Um, uh, Dr. Lawanda Cummings and Miss Aishi Bellu from the ECC, the Eastern Caribbean Center. We're talking about the community survey. When we come back, we'll have some more more fun breaking down the numbers, like they say in St. Thomas and St. John. Be back right after this. Opportunities at Bank of St. Croix. Bank of St. Croix offers CDs for education, homes, or vacations. Bank of St. Croix has two locations, one in Gallus Bay at 340-773-8500 and one in Peter's Rest at 340-713-8500. A penalty might be imposed for early withdrawal, new money only. Funds may not be transferred from existing Bank of St. Croix accounts to CDs. Rates subject to change at any time. Fees may reduce earnings and principal. www.bankofstcroix.com Member FDIC. On Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me, we are not afraid to stand up to the high and mighty like Jeff Bezos. He had that big cowboy hat on. (laughs) He looked like, like a shrink ray had hit Garth Brooks. 
<laughs> I'm Peter Sagel. Join me as we speak truth to power, at least until power agrees to buy us out, on Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me from NPR. Saturdays at 1 p.m. and Sundays at 2 p.m. right here on WTJX FM 93.1, your NPR station in the Virgin Islands. Doom scrolling. Let's break that habit, folks. I'm Aisha Roscoe, host of Weekend Edition Sunday, where if you want to know what's going on in the world and why it matters, all you have to do is give your thumb a rest and perk up your ears. We've got the news, but we've also got curiosity, joy, and surprise. Tune in for Weekend Edition from NPR News. Weekend Edition, Sundays at 8 a.m. right here on WTJX FM, your NPR station in the Virgin Islands. Music can be an incredibly personal experience. A song can inspire you, it can comfort you, it can make you feel understood, it can even take you back to a specific moment in your life. And it all begins with the artist. Join me, Raina Duras, as I get personal through in-depth interviews with your favorite musicians and find out where those songs come from on World Cafe. Weekdays at 10 p.m. on WTJX-FM 93.1. And we're back uh, here at Analyze This having a conversation about the community survey um, um, that was uh, stewarded. Is that is that the right terminology, uh, Dr. Cummins? That is the right. That's the right one. Stewarded, uh, stewarded by the Eastern Caribbean Center. And we got uh, Dr. Lawanda Cummins and Miss Aishi Bellu uh, joining us here this morning. I want to thank both of you ladies for making some time to have a discussion with us here. So the survey is done or is ongoing? We are um, we're in the midst of it. So what's going to actually happen on December the 1st is we'll be entering into second phase of the interviewing. Um, and those interviews will be very similar to what was done for the census. Again, we want to make sure the data is something that we can pair up with uh, what we have from the decennial so we know what changes have occurred. And so uh, we're trying to make sure everybody knows because we – really are asking the, the, you know, the local constituency to help us tell the story of the U.S. Virgin Islands strength and recovery uh, by helping us update this data. And um, so we're going to have some people that are coming out into the community. We have, uh, is it what, 45 people? We got a bunch of people, right, that are going to be coming out into the community and they're going to have a UBI ID, a data collection device, their uh, safety vest because we don't want you to hit them with your car. Uh, and most of all, they're going to come with a good attitude and a smile because we are really clear that this is uh, this is work around equity and justice as well. So that we're in a position to give voice uh, to the citizens here in the Virgin Islands around what the housing population and the housing availability uh, uh, realities are in the territory. So December the 1st, we'll be out here dancing in the street. <laughs> I like I like that uh, that that determination that that, that uh, depiction. I like that one. I really do. Now, um, Ms. Bello, do me a favor. Yes. Break down mm-hmm. for, for for those who are listening because I had a conversation with uh, Dr. Lawrence Mills, right? <clears throat> and uh, 
we, we got into it with respect to, you know, looking at numbers and all that stuff. And she said, uh, Mr. James, uh, I'm not with the uh, anecdotal. I'm with the empirical. Uh, <laughs> so so she, she, was, she was putting me in my place uh, be, because I've always felt that uh, regardless of what a census says, there's always a percentage, whether it be a tenth of a percent, uh, one uh, percent, um, that's not captured in the data. You know what I'm saying? So, uh, for those who are listening, uh, explain the difference between empirical and anecdotal as it relates to numbers. As it relates to numbers. Okay. So, I'm glad you had us sit down with the other Dr. Mills. Um, I have immense respect for um, uh, Dr. Lawrence Mills. Of mm-hmm. course, that's the wife of Dr. Frank Mills, mm-hmm. who served at the Eastern Caribbean Center at UVI for over 40 years. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, I'm um, <laughs> you know, I'm glad to come after her and uh, actually uh, stand on the words that she says because anecdotal, that's how we feel. We we think certain things. You know, people come to me and say, oh, man, look at this. All these, all these, everybody having babies. I look around, everybody's pregnant. But then when you look at the numbers from vital statistics, you see that um, the birth rate for the Virgin Islands has decreased drastically. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I mean, if you look at it, it's, um, we're kind of like uh, at the point where we're going to go below repa- replacement rate, which is like 2.1 or 2.2 or something like that to children per, per household. So I'm just saying, you know, sometimes it feels a certain thing because of the environment that you're in. This is what you're seeing. But when you actually look at the numbers, right, the empirical evidence, mm-hmm. um, you know, that's, that's how you can make your decision because um, that's actually based on not just your own surrounding, but if we're talking about the Virgin Islands, we're talking about St. Thomas, St. Croix, and St. John. Now, we know St. John, the, the population, the demographics over there is a lot different than it might be in St. Croix and St. Thomas. You know, so you have to bring all of that together. So um, that's why the data is important. So we're not making decisions just based on the, the square or the circle, the bubble that we're in, but we're, we're making decisions um, based on the numbers that actually summarize the entire picture um, for the Virgin Islands. So you could feel what you want to feel, but ultimately <laughs> um, what, what is documented is, is what you're dealing with. Right, right, right. And, and um, you know, we, we actually, I wanted to tell you, just share a few things, um, because here at the Eastern Caribbean Center, we've been looking at these statistics, we've been looking at this population drop. We've been looking at how the the different uh, events have impacted the Virgin Islands. And you know, something that you guys have been talking about, and we've been hearing a lot this brain drain, and you know, uh, how do we keep people here? How do we bring people back? So we at the Eastern Caribbean Center decided to take a look at it. Take a look at migration and people from the Virgin Islands moving away and who, who actually is moving away? You know, we kind of have a feeling, you know, that we think we know it's the, it's the highly educated people after they graduate, they don't come back and, and so on. But let's see what the numbers say. So uh, just recently, do you want to hear about that? I'm a numbers guy, so you, you're, you're singing to the choir. Go right ahead. All right. Okay. 
So um, we took a look at, there's a, a survey called the American Community Survey, which is an ongoing survey. And actually, our VI Community Survey is mirrored off of that. It's an ongoing survey in the, the, the continental United, well, the United States and also Puerto Rico is included, but not the Virgin Islands. Yep. And we, we actually went to go look at that data, Neville, to, to look at um, those, because one of the questions actually asked, you know, are where are you from? And so it, there are people that are identifying that they're from the U.S. Virgin Islands or any other part of the Caribbean. But we particularly looked at that group and started looking at it within particular time frames of these major events. And we're in the midst of a publication now where we actually created something called the UVI Migration Archetype Model. And so we're looking at the events and then who is leaving and why, and then thinking about what are the impacts in regards to our economic vitality. Um, we're looking at the transfer of cultural knowledge. We're looking at um, a lot of different things that relate to that because it has a lot to do with whether or not the USVI is up having really, I would say, the, the infrastructure or capacity to jump into this global market that everybody's demanding us to be ready for. And so uh, we looked at this, uh, we looked at the ACS data and, and correct me if I'm wrong, Aishi, there are more people that are from the region that live stateside than actually live in the island. That's right. <laughs> That's right. We, we, right. I, we, no, I'm, a, I'm aware that we, there was a, there was a survey done in 2007, 2008, and um, the numbers had uh, about 190,000 indigenous Virgin Islanders uh, living on the mainland, which, right. would, which at the time would have doubled the, the current hmm. population here uh, in the territory. And um, a couple of years before that, <clears throat> I was at a conference, and I mentioned this on a regular basis, I was at a conference in, in Philly, and the uh, um, center president from Puerto Rico was on a panel. His name is Kenneth McClintock. And, and he, he informed all of us in attendance that uh, um, there were just as many Puerto Ricans living between Boston and Washington, D.C., at the time 4 million, as they were on the island of Puerto Rico. So, wow. you know, our situations are very, very unique. And, um, you know, I don't want to say we're, you know, we're transient. I, I, I want to say we're more conduit, you know. Uh, there's something about um, the United States having two jurisdictions in the Caribbean uh, connected to the archipelago where people move through uh, mm -hmm. you know, both the Virgin Islands and, and uh, Puerto Rico um, because a lot of them, you know, their goal is to get to the mainland. And mm -hmm. that's, just, that's just the realities we've been dealing with uh, for 100 plus years. We, we completely agree. But I think that when we have uh, what we're really framing as the three types of disasters that have occurred in the last 10 years. Oh, yeah. It impacts different groups. Oh, yes. So when Hoenza yes. closed, we really saw a population that was highly educated. Um, you know, we lost engineers, people with, with a lot of training. Yes. Uh, and they left because of an economic disaster, right? We, we lost uh, uh, really workplace or workforce capacity for them to make a, the type of incomes they were making. Yeah, we, and when we, we had the hurricane. We, so the uh, I'm sorry about that. I didn't mean to cut you out, but you hit the nail on the head. Because at the time, you know, when we were doing the math in the Senate, um, you, you're talking about 2,000 employees, average salary, $70,000 a year. That's $140 million in, in just gross revenue generated 
of course, you know, there's taxation and everything else that you apply there as well. But just just on its face, uh, when you look at that raw number and, you know, incorporate it uh, or associate it um, with the size of the, the territory, that's a big hit because it's not just about it's not just about the revenue they're generating. It's about what they're spending and how mm-hmm. it impacts banks, how it impacts businesses. Um, you know, the, the, the trickle across, trickle up, trickle down effect is real. No, I would say it's, it's the trickle in every direction, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and it has a lot to do with what type of predictive economic and it was, capacity we and it was, have. And it wasn't a trickle either. <laughs> it's, 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 it was a wave. It was a wave. You know what I'm saying? So, uh, yeah, you absolutely are correct. Let me ask this question, though, right? And you're looking at data uh, from a year-to-year basis um, mm-hmm. as... as um, statisticians and technocrats that both of you are what what jumps out at you um with respect to what you're seeing um in terms of our numbers and and the areas of need because that's really what we uh need to focus on or not need to focus on what we should always be focusing on and even more so now given that we're in this um protracted recovery Mm. Well, we there there de- definitely some things that always come up. I mean, we're we definitely based off of the 2020 data, 22, 23% of our population in the US Virgin Islands is living under the poverty level. And that's an interesting situation because our housing, what it costs to live somewhere uh, is, is through the roof, right? Yeah, man. Um, and some of that is because of the housing shortage and things that are and some of it's because, you know, some people are like, don't rent my place. I'm using it for uh, Airbnb, right? It's an mm. income property. Mm-hmm. And so that has something to do with what type of quality of life um, the average Virgin Islander can have. We also see that, you know, uh, luckily our high school graduation rate is at like 78%. We beat in the mainland, right? Because, you know, because people got to be able to read. Um, but our median income is still... Uh, right at $40,000. So um, some of the apartments I was looking at, $1,600 to $1,800 is $2,000 a month. If somebody was making $40,000 a year um, for them and their children, you're looking at at least $24,000 a year out of their income that would have to go into housing. So then you got to look at the disposable income after taxes. Things like that, right? right. That, that's 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 how. And it's that, just like that, so. What they supposed to eat? Ramen noodles and cat food? Like it's um, mm-hmm. <laughs> it's a crazy situation. No, you're right, man. And and but but what you're talking about is, uh, you could look at numbers on its face, but the the numbers are also telling you something, and that's where the training comes in. That's where the the Georgia Tech and the Georgia State, right? All those hours that you put in, uh, to get that 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 diploma with the seal on it you know you know what i'm saying that that, <laughs> that makes it authentic no i'm serious you know what i'm saying i'm big on that right i'm big on literacy you talked about we need to be able to read right and people take that uh as well you know that's that's expected um yeah it's ex- it's expected but it's not it don't happen overnight you know what i'm saying you, you, you there's a lot of work that gets into making sure that a certain percentage of the population is literate of course you know we would want it that it be a hundred percent um, but you know, that, that's just the realities uh, that, that we're dealing with. I think we also had a committee meeting a couple of weeks ago, and the cost to construct a housing unit, 
um, was mm-hmm. just, you know, scary. Million dollars a unit uh, in certain yeah. instances. I mean, that's, mm-hmm. I, I don't want to use, you know, too many big words, but that's unfathomable. You know what I'm saying? That's scary. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, uh, but it just speaks to, you know, where we are here in the Virgin Islands and the fact that we're detached, right? And everything comes at a cost when you're importing uh, at the levels uh, that we are. So, uh, I love this conversation. And guess what? You got some bonus time. We're going to take you to the top of the hour. So you can get even more. You, 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 you can get, Great. You, we have more to say. You, that's right. You, you can get even more comfortable. So, I, t- I mentioned the world meter um, reference, you know, um, site that I like to go to uh, to look at, you know, the population change. So, I wanted to throw this at you and, and the audience to let you know that, you know, our thing evolved uh, dramatically. Uh, over the last uh, 75 years, thereabouts, right? 60, 75 years. Would you believe that the population in the Virgin Islands in 1955 with the same land mass, Dr. Cummins and uh, master's degree? You a doctor? You a doctor too, Ms. Bellew? Not yet? <laughs> you're, you're Not gonna, yet, but I'm working on it. You're going to get a doctor to be Bellew, right? <laughs> was 29,303 people back in 1955. And here we are now where we had a significant reduction in our population that brought it back to three times this number of 87,000. Ain't that something? Yes, that is something. You know what I'm saying? And then, and then but check this out, right? By 1960, it went up to 32,000. And then, then, then the population boom actually happened. Yeah. 65, five years later, up to 46,000. 1970, another five years later, up to 63,000. More than doubled mm-hmm. what it was 15 years before. And then mm-hmm. in, from 70 to 75, went from 63,446 to 81,368. From mm-hmm. 75 to 80, went from 81,000 to 96,000. Mm-hmm. Another 15,000 on top of that, but then, of course, the percentages would uh, reduce because the denominator is greater. And then we got to the 100,000 mark by the mid-80s. That's, that's significant change over a 25-year, a 30-year 30, a 30 period, uh, uh, Dr. D- 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 Dr. Cummins and Dr. Tabib Bellu. So just think about that a little bit. And when we come back, uh, we can break this down even more and talk a little bit more about the survey and why surveys are important because people tend to you know, take that for granted, but you need that data, um, that periodically and, uh, you know, to let us know where we, where we were, where we at and where we're going. Talking with the Eastern Caribbean center this morning, uh, awesome brain stimulation to take us into the Thanksgiving, uh, weekend. Be back right after this. WTJX's Taste of Two Islands is back. Join us at Antilles Mark C. Marin Center on December 14th for the long-awaited return of the taste, a culinary feast for the season. Hosted by me, George Culture Man Silcat. Tickets are on sale now through Thursday, December 14th. 
Tickets are available at Chelsea's Drugstore in Red Hook, Barefoot Buddha across from Haven Sight Mall, and Bonita's Cantina in Niski Shopping Center. Tickets can also be purchased online at wtjx.org forward slash taste or call 340-774-6255. Shuttle service will be available from Haven Sight Park to the MCM Center. Don't miss this opportunity to experience the magic of local cuisine as you dance to the rhythms of Spectrum Band. Sponsors for this event are VI Lottery, West Indies Company, Cardo Wine and Spirits, First Bank, Bellows International, the VI Office of Highway Safety, the VI Housing Finance Authority, and the VI Public Finance Authority. It's the return of the taste, Thursday, December 14th at 6 p.m. A taste you can never forget. Saturday mornings, we're here for you with Weekend Edition. Two hours of news, interviews, new music, new books, rattling good stories, interesting people, challenging analysis, laughs, air shows, and donkey rides for the kids. So come along with us. Weekend Edition, Saturday mornings from NPR News. Weekend Edition, Saturdays at 8 a.m. on WTJX FM 93.1. Boxing comes to the Met in the true story of Emil Griffith, who landed a fatal blow in the ring. Brian Speedo Green plays the young Emil in his glory. Eric Owens is the elderly Emil, revisiting scenes from his past as a boxer and a closeted gay man. Conducted by Yannick Nizay-Sagan, don't miss Terrence Blanchard's champion on great performances at the Met. Tune in November 23rd at 8 p.m. on WTJX-TV Channel 12. back here and analyze this uh, great discussion with the good folks from the Eastern Caribbean Center at the University of Virgin Islands. We got a community survey. Uh, we got uh, Dr. Cummins and Dr. Tobi Bellu joining us uh, this morning. Good morning, ladies. Glad to have you on Analyze This. Morning. Morning again. Yeah. So, population at 87G, 87K, whichever one you want, whichever letter you want. G is money. K is, K is, K is the actual, you know what I mean? Not money, right? So, um, from a, lo looking at education, right? And uh, one of the big needs with the recovery uh, is engineers. We've heard um, the Office of Disaster Recovery uh, Director, Ms. Adrian Williams-Atalin, speak of uh, the need for a lot of engineers because a lot of work we're doing are infrastructure related. Um, clearly, we we simply just don't have the the man and woman uh, power here to to uh, uh, address that. Um, the university is big on um, conducting um, surveys. Uh, it's supposed to be a repository for a lot of information. Uh, what have you? What what what's the big needs? Uh, for the territory in addition to uh, engineering uh, based on what the data is telling us uh, and given, you know, what we need here. Energy is a big, you know, problem. We've had a, a crisis here for, for 20 years. Um, of course, we, we need to construct new schools. We're in the process of doing that. Uh, um, talk a little bit about what, what, what the empirical data is telling, telling you 
and and of course you know you could incorporate you know what you see with your eyes and 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 make the connection let me start with you dr to be bello oh. <laughs> all right well um i would say the data say that um the data show that we have an asian population here mm-hmm. in the virgin islands we have an asian population we can't get around um the number of persons under the, the age of 18 is shrinking and the number of persons over the age of 65 is growing, all right? So that tells us a lot about our future um, here in the VI. Uh, mm, however, let me, let me, still, let me chime in there uh, and, and, and piggyback. I was going to say piggytail, right? Because I wanted to mix piggyback and dovetail. So, 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 right? But World of Media has uh, life expectancy at 76 years here in the Virgin Islands. Is that mm-hmm. is that what you're seeing? Because uh, it, it kind of you know what you're saying kind of speaks to that, right? Uh, you know that, that we we're doing better in terms of life expectancy. Seventy six is yeah, right. We is are living. Oh, yeah, we're living. We're living longer. Mm-hmm. That's that's the truth. Mm-hmm. With um, the advances we have in health nowadays and, and mm-hmm. so on and so forth. So yep. with a so with an aging population and our under eighteen shrinking, we got work to do. Mm-hmm. A lot do. of work to do. And, and it also means we have to be really cognizant around how we are training people to fill the void, right? Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. Um, I'm really, really proud of the work that's been that's happened for us to have uh, capacity for high school graduates in, in the region to be able to go to UBI for free. Um, but also it's about directing uh, the energy around mentorships and, and, and developing people to be able to replace ourselves. And you, and you can ask Baloo, my team, I'm always telling them, like, we train in our replacement so that we're in a position that there's not a disruption in the in the work around ethical data, in the work around uh, how we communicate the reality of, of the territory. So uh, we recently were interviewed by a group from Congress because they were concerned because there's all of these gaps in the data. Um, and it wasn't just us. It was a lot of governmental offices that were also included in that conversation. But it brings us back to this place of understanding that the world now is functioning from a data-first perspective. Mm-hmm. And we have to be in a position to uh, be proactive around gathering the data that's necessary so we can communicate the need of the territory, right? So we can't, we can't take 15 years to, ke- you know, to catch up to that, right? Or we will miss the opportunity for us to do the things that we need to do uh, to, to stay engaged in the global market and the new communication structures and um, the allocations that are coming from the federal government or even our own ability to, to self-determine in the areas around our economic development and what industries we want to invite into this space. Um, it's, it's not optional that we have to have data to make the argument at this point. So you just gave my audience a a Thanksgiving gift by um, letting them know that uh, you embrace succession planning? <laughs> of course. I mean, you know, I, I, I hope I didn't say it too soon and Baloo gonna be looking for me. No, nah, man, no, nah, man, no, nah, <laughs> nah, man. I, I like that uh, because uh, a lot of people, oh, well, there are folks uh, who are intimidated, you know what I'm saying, by, by, uh, by succession. And I'm I'm just happy. I'm smiling here to hear you talk about training your successes. That's we got to do that, man. You know what I'm saying can't be intimidated by the young folks. 
uh, they got shoes to fill, right? Well, I mean, the, the bigger issue, I think if we, if we, I, I had a wonderful mentor, uh, Dr. Asa Hillier, who used to always tell me that we build for antiquity. If you build for the forever, then it can't be about you. Cause you already know you're not going to sit on the throne the whole time. Wow, Thanksgiving Day. Thanksgiving, Thanksgiving Eve gift. Can't be out. If you're building for the future, it can't be about you. Mm. That's what I'm talking about. Mm-hmm. I like that. Now, now um, Ms. Bellu, I like how I like how Dr. Cummins refers to you by your last name. Bellu, she don't... That's <laughs> <laughs> uh, weird. We are weak. That's because we're a team, we're a military team. Yeah, 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 yeah. But 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 you know what it what it actually did is it, it sparked another uh you know tangent um with this discussion, which is communication, right? That's a big thing that we tend to take for granted and it's very, very important for for any community, any society, right? That you have the communication uh infrastructure in place that allows for for for, for uh, of course, you know, we're in a technological era now with the uh, internet and 30 years into the internet and all that stuff, but social media taking over. But um, communication infrastructure is absolutely critical. Um, Dr. Mm-hmm. Tabi Bellu, talk a little bit about mm-hmm. that and how we, we need to look at uh, how we can fix that and what infrastructure we may have here in the Virgin Islands. You know, we got, we got a pipe that runs... Uh, uh, Right alongside the northwestern side of St. Croix, fiber optics, you know, um, um, loaded up in that, and it's just that's just by chance with Global Crossing from back in the day, and they got a new name now. Things like that we need to to tap into, right? Um, to, to allow for us to to be a player, because that's what this is about. Right, right, and the data show that our community is more connected than ever before. Mm-hmm. So That's good. Um, on a questionnaire, our VI community survey questionnaire and the census questionnaire, they ask questions about, you know, what type of home, what type of phone do you have in your home, mm-hmm. right? Back in the day, everybody had a landline. So that's, an, that's a question. Are you connected with a landline? You know, if not, do you have a mobile phone? You know, and if you have a mobile phone, what, then they ask if you have any connectivity to the internet. Are you paying for that connectivity? So that those questions about communication, making sure that everyone is is connected in some way, that's data that we're gathering as well. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And I think that this is a it's a good caveat as well because I know the university recently was funded uh, a couple times around building out the technological infrastructure uh, at the university, but also as a resource to the island which is part of that conversation about how do we how do we position ourselves so that we have a plan for data repositories, for um, archiving, cultural uh, understanding, and uh, ways of being in the island. Like we, we need a place where that's happening. And I think the university is positioning itself for that. Um, but we're also really working hard and able to think about how do we teach people to be data literate. Um, I think what we saw with COVID is that there was all of this information that was just being thrown in the air around who was dying, how they was dying, all this stuff. And people got desensitized to it, and they weren't in a position to make informed decisions about how they were going to live and function. And so we've been creating data products. Like we have a brochure that shares some of the census data. We have trainings that we do with local government. Uh, Ms. Ballou did one recently. Uh, we do... 
um, infographics and things like that with the reports and things that we're doing for governmental offices because I'm really clear that we have to help people build that bridge because the numbers are not enough. We need to help people figure out how do I interpret this and then how do I apply this so I can make the best possible decision. And so even with the VIX data, um, we're working with the 2016, 2018, all of that data so that we're in a position to, again, push out those products so that people can think about what was this before the pandemic, before the hurricanes, and what, what do, where are we afterwards? Um, Ms. Bellu, you hear, the, you hear the twang just now from... Um Dr. Cummins? Mm-hmm. I heard it, uh, and yeah, it yeah, sounded authentic. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, you, you, hear, you hear that local twang, right? You sounded nice. You sounded nice to um, uh, Dr. Cummins. I, I, I like that one. You know what I'm saying? Um, Everything we, is coming loud and clear through this phone. We're wearing on you, so that's a good thing. Uh, I like that. Um, of course, you know, you just you, you just you know, went up my alley there, right? Data literacy, you know what I'm saying? Very, very important. You know, just throwing numbers at people ain't, ain't enough. You got to make sure they know, right? Not just what the numbers are saying, but the how, right? How do right. we interpret the numbers? Um, and and that uh, dynamic, Miss um, Bellu, relativity, right? Um, mm-hmm. The numbers might say something today, but what are they saying relative to five years ago? Or 10 years ago. Mm-hmm. You check what I'm saying? That's the next thing. You got to look at things based on, you know, the conditions that you're dealing with, right? It's like a basketball right. It's like a basketball player, right? If if you score in 35 points a game, but you're taking all the shots versus somebody who is scoring 35 points a game, but they are efficient in how they're doing it because, you know, they're not taking as many shots as the person who is taking 30, uh, who's scoring 35 points. That's a whole different dynamic. You know what I'm saying? And mm-hmm. I, I think, you know, people look at numbers and the, the raw numbers are good, but there's always some meaning behind those numbers, right? I think uh, uh, somebody said, oh, um, the, my data mom, uh, Ms. Lu- uh, the professor, Dr. Luciano. Dr. Luciano. Yeah. I was thinking about her just now. Yeah, yes. yeah. <laughs> and she said one of her professors told her, data without meaning, right? Without context. Without context has no meaning. That's right. That's right. You know what I'm saying? (laughs) And that that context is very, 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 very important. Thanks for correcting me there. You know, getting up there in age and I mean, I like that. So, got a couple minutes left. Um, December 1st, you said? The next week? Next week, Thursday? Next week, Friday? Next week, Friday? Or... Oh, yes. So... Let me just, I have uh, uh, some things here. I just want to make sure we get in before we get off on the air. Yeah, go ahead. So the Virgin Islands, the Virgin Islands Community Survey has been conducted in the USVI since 2001. You know, this is not a new thing. We've been doing it annually Um, since 2001. The main, this is the main source of population data about the USVI um, in between decennial censuses. Um, The data are critical to policymakers, businesses, researchers, and grant writers. Um, The information collected is on housing and population characteristics of the territory. It's a sample survey, so not every home will be chosen. So that's the difference between a census and a survey. Not every home will be chosen. They are randomly selected, and your collected information will be kept uh, 100% confidential. Okay, there's, there's um, things in place to ensure of that. 
That's very, very important because some people are intimidated by it. They'll be ducking, running and ducking because they believe they'll get in trouble. But that's not that's not that's not the case. Uh, I'm glad you mentioned that. We do not share our data with yeah, immigration. Man. We do not share our data with IRS. Mm-hmm. We do not share our data with anyone else. And when you take a look at our reports, just like the census reports, everything is in summary. So it will say something like just like we've been talking about, the USBI population is 87,000. Um, it might break it down by a state. So Anna's retreat, you know, it would have the population for that particular area. But individual homes, no one will be able to identify any individual homes or any individual person from the data. Let me ask this question real quick to Dr. Cummins. Dr. Cummins, the, the numbers that we're looking at, um, do you have the ability uh, to extract uh or delineate what percentage of the 87,000, whatever that number might be, if, let's say it was 100,000, of those who just happened to live in the Virgin Islands at that time, and they know that they're not going to be living here beyond that, or we just look at who is here then and and and, and go with it? Well, I will tell you this. The survey that we have for the census, as well as six, has, a, has some questions on there that bring distinction between people who are residents and people who have like homes here, okay, right? Okay. So we are in a position to be able to to splice out uh, who are the people that are self-identified as residents and those that are are here, like just say vacation home, they'd be here for three months or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and so yeah, we we can break we can break the data down in that way. That's what I'm talking about, ladies and gentlemen. I want you to know that we've been talking with Dr. Lawanda Cummins, Georgia State alum, and Miss Aisha Bellu. Georgia Tech, along, along with UVI as well. Uh, this morning, talking about the community survey, the VI community survey. They're from the Eastern Caribbean Center. Great discussion on Thanksgiving Eve. I want to thank both of you, distinguished ladies, for joining us this morning and enlightening us and educating us. And looking forward to talking with you again sometime down the road. We thank you so much uh, for, for making time and space for us, Neville. You know, I listen to you every morning. So oh, you're man. making me smarter. I appreciate it. That's what I'm talking about. Thank you very much. And it's better good to hear from you. Okay? It's nice to hear from you, too. And I just uh, ditto what uh, Dr. Cummins says. I have your podcast, and I uh, enjoy what you do. And I thank you for getting the word out there and uh, getting people to look at the data. You know, thank it's you. not just a, a talk show in terms of just talk about what you feel, but you actually bring it down to the empirical evidence. So we really do appreciate that. Thank you. WTJX's Taste of Two Islands is back. Join us at Antilles Mark C. Marin Center on December 14th for the long-awaited return of the taste, a culinary feast for the season. Hosted by me, George Kulchaman Silkat. Tickets are on sale now through Thursday, December 14th. Tickets are available at Chelsea's Drugstore in Red Hook, Barefoot Buddha across from Haven Site Mall, and Bonita's Cantina in Niski Shopping Center. Tickets can also be purchased online at wtjx.org forward slash taste or call 340-774-6255. Shuttle service will be available from Haven Site Parking Lot to the MCM Center. Don't miss this opportunity to experience the magic of local cuisine as you dance to the rhythms of Spectrum Band. Sponsors for this event are VI Lottery, West Indies Company, Cardo Wine and Spirits, First Bank, Bellows International, the VI Office of Highway Safety, the VI Housing Finance Authority, and the VI Public Finance Authority. It's the return of the taste, Thursday, December 14th at 6 p.m. A taste you can never forget.